and the chaos of the news cycle. So let's slow it down. I'm Tamara Kendacker, host of the new daily podcast from Global News called Wait, There's More. We're going to take a deeper look at the news of the day, exploring new angles, asking tough questions, and talking to the people directly affected by the news. Listen to Wait, There's More for free on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Tuesday evening, Iran fired multiple missiles into Iraq that were targeting U.S. military sites. This is uh, retaliation for the recent American drone strike that, of course, killed uh, one of Iran's top generals. The Islamic Revolutionary Guard Corps very quickly took credit, and they even had one Iranian politician tweeting out his nation's flag, which is apparently a Twitter troll attempt at U.S. President Donald Trump uh, for having tweeted out the American flag earlier when the general uh, drone strike had occurred. Uh, The Islamic Revolutionary Guard also stated that we warn the great Satan, the arrogant American regime, that any new invasions and aggressions will result in more painful and pounding responses. Later, however, the foreign minister for Iran tweeted that uh, Iran took proportionate measures in self-defense under Article 51 of the UN Charter targeting base from which cowardly armed attack against our citizens and senior officials were launched. We do not seek escalation or war, but will defend ourselves against any aggression. What does this all mean for the region? In order to get into this, we'd like to welcome again to the program Phil Gursky. He was president and CEO of Borealis Threat and Risk Consulting. It's worth noting that Mr. Gursky is as well a former Iranian analyst at CSC and at CSIS. Phil, good morning. Good morning. Happy New Year. Yeah, Happy New Year to you as well. Um, you, you know, I, I noted on my uh, earlier on in the program on my social media feeds, there were a lot of people that were quite worried that the retaliation taken by Iran was somehow going to fuel us into, you know, World War Three. And I just wanted your perspective right off the jump as an expert. Should people on this side of the world be incredibly worried about what's going on on that side of the world? Yeah, I, I've seen the same thing trending online, Supriya, you know, hashtag World War III. I understand why people are nervous about this, because people are nervous about what Iran can do. But it really is an exaggeration. This so far has remained a localized conflict. This is not to say that Iran could not take action elsewhere, depending on what the United States decides to do. But, you know, I think the, that what happened with, with the, the airstrikes on the air bases last night is proportional. I agree with the Iranian assessment of that. So far, it seems to be under control. I was very surprised that uh, President Trump didn't tweet something ridiculous last night, as he's wont to do. So it, it almost looks like the adults in the room are taking over, as opposed to all the bravado we've heard. So fingers crossed, this is this will peter out. Um, no guarantees, though. It all depends on what happens today and what the U.S. decides to do to retaliate for the retaliation. So, you know, watch this space. You might be talking tomorrow with a very different conversation, depending on what happens today. Yeah, I mean, that's good to keep in mind. Um, Phil, the other thing that, that Mike and I were wondering right off the jump is how this could possibly affect Canada, just in terms of our involvement, of course, with NATO. Um, I, I, the, you know, the, I'm paraphrasing here, but the, basically the concept of an attack on, on one of us is an attack on all of us, and like we, we got to get in to help our, our, our people out here. Um, will that article end up being uh, triggered in all of this? Yeah, I heard the same thing. There's two possibilities here. First of all, is that Canada is still in Iraq helping to train Iraqi forces to fight ISIS, of course, the terrorist group, which should have been our first priority from, from day one. And there's there are a lot of um, news now that some NATO countries want to withdraw their with their troops from Iraq so they don't get caught in the wrong place at the wrong time. As for NATO Article 5, you know, that is a possibility. But I just want to submit to your listeners that 
If the Americans call on us to you know, run to the rescue because of Article 5, this is the same president that's ridiculed NATO time and time again. He sees it as a useless alliance. He says it shouldn't be there. And for the Americans to turn around and say, oh, by the way, now we need NATO to help us? A little bit disingenuous on the U.S.'s part, don't you think? I mean, you can't you can't call them a bunch of doofuses one day and say, oh, we need your help a second day. So I'm not sure about how the rules work with NATO. I mean, how obligatory it is if one partner calls upon this article. You probably should talk to more to a military expert. But Fair I'm enough, yeah. Bit, you know, you know, yeah, I'm kind of put aside by this fact that you, know, you, can't, you can't say one thing and then say another thing five days later. Um. Yeah, I mean, yes, he is. He has been known to do such things, though. Um, it, when, we were noting as well, this was yesterday, actually, before any of this had happened. But it, Toronto does have a very large uh, Iranian population there. I, I think I, I read somewhere that they're probably uh, in Canada. There's like the, the second largest proportion of Iranians outside of actual Iran. Um and then we saw protests over the the weekend. Um, how would CSIS go about perhaps monitoring anyone who could be potentially sympathetic to the regime right now? Well, that's the kind of thing you're kind of always trying to get on top of. But I would also say that, you know, from my experience, and, I, you know, I've been out of the business for five years now, but in my experience, the vast majority of people who happen to be in Canada would have been those who fled the regime back in 79 or 1980s. I didn't want to live under under the under, under Ayatollah Khomeini, didn't want to live under the, the ideological system that was put in place after the Shah fell. So these people would be the last people to want to support anything that Iran's doing anyway. So I wouldn't say that from a Canadian perspective, there's a great deal of worry. Um, never say never in this business, but I would be skeptical as to whether there is a significant threat from any Iranian Canadians that would, you know, lash out because of what the U.S. is doing to Iran. I would read that as a very low threat at this point. All right, Phil, I want to ask, uh, last night, of course, the uh, the airstrikes on the uh, on the camp, uh, the uh, barracks in, uh, in Iraq was one story that would keep an analyst busy forever. Then you get this crash of the Ukraine airplane leaving Imam Khomeini Airport in Tehran shortly after this barrage. I'm not putting my tinfoil hat on here, but this is either the most tragic coincidence or dot, dot, dot. Uh, you know what, Mike? I had the exact same reaction, and I've never worn a tinfoil hat. Um, it, it was incredible to have this juxtaposition between the airstrikes and the, and the uh, crash of a civilian airline, a Ukrainian airliner. I got to hope, Mike, that this is one of those bizarre, one of the bazillion uh, chances that happens and there's no relation. Because for God forbid, if there were some kind of link between this, wow, mm-hmm. that's that escalation beyond anything I've ever seen before. So I'm going to go with the fact that, I mean, the Iranians claim there's some technical failure. I did note a, a few articles that said that there was no contact between the aircraft and the tower before it crashed and that the, the plane was burning as it was as it hit the ground. So. We don't know a lot of details just yet, but um, let's put our tinfoil hats away yeah. for now because because thinking otherwise is really, really, really bad if, if this is the case. So skip every mention on social media about what some people are saying two plus two adds to. Yeah, I, I, you know, uh, look, I worked in intelligence for more than 30 years, and, you know, you, you try to base your assessments on as much information as possible, and you try to corroborate the information from multiple sources. And in this case of the Ukraine airliner, we have nothing right now to go on. So speculation that it's tied is, is irresponsible. And we know that irresponsibility sometimes leads to very rash action that we regret later on. And Phil, just last question for you here. I wanted to circle back to the um, the military uh, strike that Iran had launched. Canadian military personnel that are currently in Iraq are safe, correct? 
That's correct. So the, the, the latest I have, Sapria, is that there were no casualties. Interestingly, Iran claimed they killed 80 U.S. service people on the ground on those air bases. Of course, there's no indication that's true. So that sounds like Iranian bravado. So we have a he said, she said right now. And as I just said to Mike, let's wait for more information to come in before we start making conclusions. Because, you know, if we, if we rely on the Twitterverse to inform us on what's happening in the world right now, we're screwed. Because <laughs> <laughs> of the bad information out there. Incredibly sage advice, Phil. Thanks so much for coming on. You're welcome, guys. Take care. You too. That again, Phil Gursky, president and CEO of Borealis Threat and Risk Consulting, who as well is a former Iranian analyst at CSIS and CSE. CSIS and CSE.